for June 15th, 2009, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 50. This is my textbook. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. And it's number 50. It's 50. Can you... Whoa. That's... I mean... That's almost a year's worth of podcasts. It's actually a lot more than a year, because we haven't been doing them weekly except for the last uh, 40. I don't know. Actually, I'll, I'll find out while we're recording uh, how, long we've been, uh, how long we've been doing them weekly. But that's, that's an incredible accomplishment. And for many of those, uh, I have been your host, Matthew Rather, and I am here with, with Mark Lee, who has been your host uh, when I have not been. Uh, yeah. John Parrish, and special for the the fiftieth uh, episode, Mister Jordan Stokes. <laughs> I get to be a special guest. Special guest and special. <laughs> well, it's more like a, it's like a guest star. You know, it's like definitely yeah. like it's a top of the show credit. You know, so I should I should do my opening monologue at this point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the plain white tees are here. We got a great show for you tonight. <laughs> Vampire weekend is here. <laughs> awesome. I see a man said roof through the trees. No, uh, Wait, is, so is Vampire are, weekend, a band, or is that kind of like, uh, every weekend in this, in this, uh, twilight era upon which we live? It actually, this is a vampire weekend because True Blood is, uh, the second season is premiering actually as we record this. So, uh, you know, um, I'll have to wait for my torrent of that to, uh, to be uploaded away. Oh no, no, that, that would be illegal. So we were going to do the 10 commandments of overthinking for the, for the 50th episode. We may have to, to save it for the hundredth episode though. Cause we couldn't come up with 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently we really failed at overthinking <laughs> the commandments. So, um, instead of that, uh, let's go around and, uh, you know, like a disciple coming up to uh, the Son of Man, I will ask, Teacher, which of the overthinking commandments is the greatest? What is the single highest law of overthinking? Mr. Mark Lee. My brothers and sisters of uh, overthinking it. Um, God, I feel like, what, like, is that... Uh... If you follow that analogy, are you saying like like we're like Jesuses of pop culture? Yes, exactly. Well, you are the Jesus. I'm the I'm the uh, you know suppliant uh, uh, you know Pharisee. I like to think that we're uh, we're bigger than Jesus. Of pop culture. <laughs> At least the, the four of us combined, like you know, mass and volume wise, are certainly bigger than Jesus. I mean, he could walk on water. He was not a heavy man, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although let's be fair, if we take a, a, a you know quantify all the bread that's being used in Catholic churches on this Sunday that uh, you know became the <laughs> yeah. body of Christ, right? Yeah, I mean that's true. not a Jesus, <laughs> I mean, hefty Jesus out there, and you know yeah. in the form of millions he, and millions of wafers. 
he has let himself go, I tell you what. Give me Lord Bryson. Oh, this is neither, religion humor. This is neither yeah, yeah. here nor there. We're trying to, you know, uh, postulate on the greatest of the overthinking commandments. Yes, yes. Teacher, what so, is your commandment? Okay, so here's my overthinking commandment. It is, uh, thou shalt use uh, statistics in Excel, and especially when it's <laughs> unnecessary. And thou shalt also manipulate statistics to prove your point. <laughs> <laughs> thou, shalt, thou shalt find spurious correlations. <laughs> oh, those are the, thou, thou shalt find spurious, spurious correlations, for they are uh, the best kind of correlations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. What can I say? I'm a big fan of the numbers on, and, uh, oh, you know, and their application to analyzing the popular culture. Um, you know, part, sometimes to find some actual, you know, uh, you know, to enlighten something about popular culture, but probably more often than not is just, you know, kind of as a, a commentary on the uh, often misuse of statistics and numbers in our uh, regular lives and highlighting that through some sort of ludicrous example of uh, statistical analysis of pop culture. I myself, pre- <laughs> I prefer uh, damned lies to statistics. Yeah. <laughs> I like I, it. I mean, funny. your your argument, Mark, is sort of that. It's like, no, no, we're not man- manipulating data. We're just holding a dark mirror up to the manipulation <laughs> of data that other people do. Yeah. <laughs> when we do it, it's satire. <laughs> yeah. We're not yeah, manipulating I mean- data. We're manipulating <laughs> data <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, for the last uh, the last piece i did on ghostbusters week about the ghostbusters business plan um you know i just made up uh the, uh, the my estimated cost for an ecto containment unit i did put it out there for anybody who, who had a better estimate for that to show me in the comments and i haven't heard yet so mm. Um, so my estimate of, I think $30,000 stands right now. Yeah. There you have it. Thank you. <laughs> Markley. Oh yeah. What's great is that in like 10 years, somebody will cite that as if it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to find its way into the Wikipedia page eventually. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh-huh. the, the overthinking it will be the source. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, John Parrish, the first commandment of overthinking it. All right. This is, this is the first commandment. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not a photoshopped image of Michael J. Fox fighting a Terminator, I am nothing. (laughs) If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but do not have an edited YouTube video of of the karate kid uh, fighting Agent Smith from the Matrix, I have nothing. <laughs> for, for where there are tongues, they shall fail. Where there are prophecies, they shall pass away. Yea, all shall pass away. Photoshop is patient. Photoshop is calm. <laughs> <laughs> Does not boast. It is not proud. You know, it's not something. It's not something that we talk about a lot. But I, I like a lot of our graphics. I mean, you know. I wish we had someone other than the writers to do them because it makes it makes you know getting an article together this multimedia extravaganza every time. But um, you know, actually, Mark, you did some graphics, just graphics for other people's articles before you started doing your own. Yeah, that's that was my foot in the door, basically. Yeah, well, you know, I was like, I was like, I was like the the eager uh, you know intern coming. Hey guys, 
I can do I can do Photoshop for you guys. <laughs> well, that's yeah. Like, yeah right, guys. I wish you had. I wish you had started writing sooner. I wish it was just. It was not on my radar that you wanted to to write for the site, and I blame myself entirely for that. You know, it kind of wasn't on my radar either. Actually, uh, yeah. I mean, I saw the articles, and I like you know, I thought you you know you guys could do some help with the Photoshop. <laughs> you thought the Photoshop was not very good. <laughs> like, wow, oh, right, you were. Right, you were. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got some good Photoshop's. Uh, you know, through we should, you know, what we should do actually. We should do a. We should compile like the greatest hits of our of our Photoshop's. That Coffee would be th- that would be navel gazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be navel gazing of the highest order. I think. Like uh, Jordan Stokes, first commandment of overthinking it. Um, I know it's a little trite, but I'm going to go with love thy neighbor as thyself. And uh, and love the Lord thy God with your whole heart. <laughs> Not to By be. Which I mean, really, the, the first commandment of overthinking it is that it's okay to plagiarize. <laughs> uh, I, amen. I, um, yeah, amen. My my oh, first man. commandment of overthinking it is that um, uh, I'm I'm actually going to be serious for a second. It's that uh, overthinking it is entertainment. Ah. It, it right like overthinkingit.com is an entertainment site and the way the way we entertain you is by saying these ridiculous things about the karate kid or ghostbusters or uh you know jesus. Uh, maybe <laughs> or jesus <laughs> remember remember the 80s and keep them holy <laughs> i'm going to can i change mine yeah cuz <laughs> cuz you started with i'm going to be serious for a minute the first commandment of overthinking is don't be serious even for a minute <laughs> <laughs> the first the first uh the first rule of overthinking it is you do talk about overthinking <laughs> it the second rule of overthinking it is you do talk about uh, overthinking, overthinking it, it. The third rule is always close your HTML tags. <laughs> yes. No, that's yeah, no, absolutely. And don't um don't put the next page don't put the next page thing in the middle of a bold tag because it just really screws up the makes the whole rest of the page bold and no one likes that. Um <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> the, the next rule is don't don't paste URLs into the WYSIWYG editor. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it screws them up. Yeah, man, it's a good thing that we don't navel gaze in this area. <laughs> That's yeah, some absolutely. back of sight uh, gossip comedy for you all. That <laughs> little listen uh, to the- little thing there. Well, okay, so that is uh, that is who we are. Uh, but the fifth podcaster, as always, is Times two thousand six Person of the Year. You. <laughs> uh. Uh, so if you have anything that you hear that you agree with or disagree with violently, if you want to tell us your, um, uh, your own commandments of overthinking it, or you have anything you want to say, uh, give us a call on the voicemail. I love getting voicemails. It just makes my week. So call the voicemail. It's 20EATLOG01. That's 203-285-6401. Or email podcast at overthinkingit.com. Use the contact form on the site. Or leave a comment in the show notes for... The podcast. Um, okay, so we learned last time from our, our listener co- uh, our listener comments that uh, Serial Thrawn is a dude, uh, but that's not the dude's real name, and that we were actually pretty much spot on with our uh, with our guesses as to to where the name came from. Right? Way to go, Serial, first name. <laughs> 
uh, Angel and last name Thrawn, uh, that of Grand Admiral Thrawn from the Timothy Zahn Star Wars novels. Exactly. Now, are they really? They have titles like Ad. Is is a, is a Thrawn a good admiral or a bad admiral? In, in, by what standards, though? Like he's good at being an admiral. No, 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 no. Is he a good side of the force or dark side of oh, the no, no, force? No, no, no. He's part of the Imperial Remnant, Remnant Fleet. Oh, he, um, he's what? Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, you know, after the Death Star blows up and the Emperor's dead and all that kind of stuff, he's, you know, commanding the remaining pieces of the uh, former Imperial Fleet. Now, they have titles like Admiral. I thought there were, there were, they had names like Moth or something, like the Grand Moth Tarkin. Yeah, yeah, there's moths, and there's also, you know, admirals. admirals. Okay, got yeah. it. There's, there's I think moths like a political thing, like, you know, kind of like governor sort of thing. Got it. There's moths and there's admirals. Well, there you go. I stand corrected. Uh, that you do. Anyway, so um, let's, uh, let's go straight to the voicemail. Here is our first listener feedback from this week. Hi, this is Nick J. from Orlando's mother, Wendy, in Alabama. I was told I need to speak the following. 33 degrees, 15 hours, 56.61 minutes north, 86 degrees, 50 hours, 7.85 minutes west, elevation 571 feet. You've given out some advice for undergrads, but it seemed to be focused on kids who were coming straight from high school. My highly intelligent but until now underachieving son is 30 and a sophomore with a robotics engineering major. He spent some time playing in bands and then was in the Army Intelligence after high school. Do you have any advice for people like him? Thank you. Oh, and I was also instructed to point out that Matthew Belinky is extraordinarily interesting and hilarious. Bye. I'm not going to argue with that last part. Yeah, no, who could argue? I, I hope you're listening, Belinky. You got a shout-out from a... Uh, got a shout-out from a... A, um, a mom. A mom. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe people's moms are oh, calling we into the show. Should we not give the context? As a, uh, yeah, context yeah, yeah. Is, explain, explain what it's about. Oh, sure. It's, um, we laid down a, a challenge a few episodes ago for, for people's moms. There's a contest uh, for, people's mo- for people's moms to call in uh, the voicemail to the podcast. So then the winner would get a free hoodie. So the winner was, uh, uh, you know, the contest was over last week when Gab, when Gab's mother called in but apparently you know it's it's it we think we actually you know said that even though the contest is over we still encourage people's mothers to call in because yeah. we're, we're pro family like that if you can get your mom to call in like uh you know if you get your mom to call in look we're playing your call you know that's <laughs> yeah, all there that's, is to it that's all there is freaking to it right there that's a guarantee yeah I, I guarantee <laughs> it. So now on to what Wendy from Alabama has. To, oh, first, uh, Jordan, you wanted to point out something about the, the lat long. Yeah, uh, it's, it goes degrees, minutes, seconds, not degrees, hours, minutes. And it's a, a silly thing to get pedantic about, but you know, what's the internet for, right? What's yeah, what is that? This is a safe space for nitpicking, Jordan. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know that, Jordan, from your life at sea or... Uh... You know, where I, where I actually know it from. This is actually, well, to me, this is fascinating. It's an episode from my childhood. Did anyone ever uh, see a PBS series back in the day called The Voyage of the Mimi? Yeah. Yeah, right? Well, about, there were like, two. The I mean, there, I saw Voyage of the Mimi 2, which was about uh, Mayan ruins. I guess yeah. the first one was about whales. Well, and it was about specifically getting shipwrecked 
and kind of what you would need to do, the skills you would need to have to survive on a tropical island. And one thing that they teach you how to do is to like to try to figure out your, uh, I guess, your latitude uh, by taking, you know, sightings from the sun. And then you can maybe figure out where you are and put a message in a bottle and so on. Um, and there was actually a, uh, a computer game based on this uh, made by a software company called Sunburst that uh, my mother was actually working for that software company uh, in my childhood at, at one point. So we got to like to play test those games. They're educational, uh, you know, computer games that taught you about longitude and latitude. And here I still know it. So I guess... But I like how it kind of it worked back to, to mothers and to family, which is really appreciated. <laughs> Your mom made educational software. Yes, <laughs> that's a true statement. It's a fact. Um, also, to also bring up, you know, as as Mark was explaining the comment from prior episodes where we asked people's moms to call in. Uh, in the last episode in the, uh, of the podcast, the one before, we were giving people high school. Uh, giving high schoolers and new college students advice on how to how to handle themselves in college and immediately out of college which is why uh which is why wendy from alabama mentioned that yep so um so wendy from alabama asks us uh she has a a 30 year old son who is who is now returning to college or who has returned to college after some time playing in bands and uh working in army intelligence now i just want to say if you have you know successfully played in a band and have you know supported yourself or even like pretty much supported at least, you know, 45% of yourself from playing in a band and uh, have been in army intelligence. I'm sorry, you outrank us in, in <laughs> really in a lot of measures of coolness. And I, re- I really don't want to presume to, uh, to, I really don't want to presume to give you advice because... Outrank, outrank us in some objective and literal meanings of the term rank as well, probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I don't think any of us have ever been you know, commissioned of any sort in any uh, branch of America's Armed Forces, be it well, enlisted... I mean, I, no, absolutely. Or, uh, so thank you for officer. your service, first of all. You know. yeah. I, was, well, I mean, technically, yeah, no, I, no I joke. A, no, no, I, mean, I don't mean... I don't mean Thank you for your service. <laughs> I actually mean thank you for your service. You know, right. it's on the, uh, the the backs of brave men and women such as yourself that American democracy rests. Hey, did you see Colbert broadcasting from Iraq? Yeah. It made, you know, honestly, I got to say, I'm such an easy mark, but like... Uh, I made a donation to the USO after I watched those four episodes back to back on Hulu because you know, and I think you should do the same thing. It, it only costs twenty five dollars to send a care package to uh, to a uh, serviceman or servicewoman overseas, so you should do it. Sorry, John, what were you saying? I, I, was, I was making a joke about rank, but now we've gotten all serious. So that we don't <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I forgot Jordan's Jordan's second first commandment. Oh, oh, hey. <laughs> We should. Uh, this is again, you no know, kind of drifting off topic. But we should, if uh, if any of our men and women overseas are actually listening to this podcast, totally call in or, or, or let us know. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Don't give us your latitude and longitude. <laughs> <laughs> right. You actually give us the latitude and longitude of something cool, though. You know what I mean? Like you know, an enemy target or something like that. You know, well, we can a- beat it to the overthinking at laser satellite. <laughs> laser. <laughs> 
satellite. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you are, yeah, if you are an American serviceman or woman, uh, please, absolutely, and we we salute you, and we will play your we will play your voicemail on the podcast as well. Hey, or, or servicemen or women of any other nationalities too, because we know that you know our Australian readership is apparently quite strong. Yeah, we're huge down under. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're equal opportunity. Any any uh, any man or woman in uniform will will gladly play your thing on the podcast. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So advice for a a thirty year old starting uh, college. Yeah. Like we were saying, you know, you probably have a, a pretty good idea of how to handle yourself. My advice to you would be that. Um, if you were to go to a frat party and hit on a freshman by saying, yeah, I used to be an army intelligence, that would probably work pretty well, but you should re- resist the temptation to do that because it's, it's probably not worth the trouble you'll be buying yourself down the line. That's, yeah, that's, tr- that's true. I love how your argument against it is not ethical, it's pragmatic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, if the ethical argument would have any purchase on you, then you don't need to hear me make it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a good point. Yeah, no, yeah. Exa- yeah, exactly. Um, huh. What else? Well, was the advice specifically about school or was it more general about like life and about career? Li- well, yeah, I mean, here's the, I mean, okay, here's a couple things. I think that if you are, if you're 30 and are a sophomore in college, I think, and have, you know, done some jobs and things like this, I think you already have a huge leg up because you have a perspective on life that, you know, everyone, everyone five years after college wishes that they had had when they, um, you know, when they were getting their education, right? Quite true. Yeah. But I, I think you might be... Um, I think you might be tempted to view education as having primarily instrumental benefits, right? As being, you know, as being a, a kind of professional credential. And I think that, you know, an, an undergrad education, even for someone who is uh, older than a number of their peers, is, um, you know, still, I, I, I'm old-fashioned. I believe that there is this something more, you know, that has to do with... Uh, being exposed to ideas or just the intri- you know the just the intrinsic benefits of uh learning to read write and think um yeah, carefully a man, a man who can call himself free must have a full knowledge of all of the liberal arts and so on yeah exactly that's why they're called liberal arts you know like that yeah absolutely that they liberate you well yeah because they're they're the arts i mean back to rome you know the liberal arts are the what free people could do and slaves couldn't so if you want to take so, a more cynical kind of marxist take on it so actually uh, there's their slaves were all greek and were better educated than them sorry jordan if you wanted to take a cynical marxist take on it uh getting a liberal arts degree proves that you have enough money to not need to actually work for a living it's like <laughs> That's kind of the basis of it in uh, in the Roman Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in the Roman Academy now it tends to mean more and more that you have the capacity to take on so much debt that you'll be working for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> You're not far from wrong. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, one one piece of advice for uh, for our, our listener. Uh, if you're 30 years old in a sophomore in college, you're going to be spending most of your classes and most of your class time with other sophomores who are, you know, who have never held a job 
and who've never had any real responsibility in their lives. Or held a weapon in their hand. Oh, yes, that too. This is my textbook. There are many like it, but this one is mine. (laughs) These people people who you'll be spending most of your day with are going to be saying a lot of of stupid things, like a lot of really uninformed things. (laughs) Try try not... Learn, learn to mask your disgust pretty early. <laughs> well, as I think that our podcast has been a great training for him, you know, <laughs> hearing stupid things which he can then show no disgust. Well, yeah, but if you're listening to this on your iPod, you can roll your eyes and sneer all you like, and we're never going to hear it. Right. So, but I mean, in, in class, you know, keep it. Keep it restrained. Keep it subdued. Maybe, maybe the occasional comment on something that's blatantly false to fact but otherwise you know just just be cool with these kids because they're young they're learning you know they'll they'll be they'll be adults one day that's right. really all i got they'll be they'll be hitting you up to buy beer and stuff like that and you got to make your own call uh about something <laughs> like that actually i'm not necessarily against it because i relied on that a great deal when i was underage but you know uh if, if you were in the army maybe you're you're very law-abiding or or something I don't know. That's a gross generalization. I probably shouldn't make it. Can I just restate again how kind of not odd, but just very interesting that this podcast, which is all about you know the you know pop culture analysis, has um, strayed many times into the advice realm. I think it's just. It's <laughs> I, just point, I just wanted to point that out again. Just put that out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> it is yeah i mean because we are if you just consider our personal lives which we don't oh gab's suggestion uh for for episode 50 was uh that we overthink each other to which i say yeah no f no <laughs> f that suffice it to say that we are a ragtag and motley band of misfits and uh are doing, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, are just cripping, you know, just trying to get by. Yeah, Gab, while well, that would probably make for one very entertaining podcast, it would also surely be the last time any of us ever <laughs> talked to each other. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the end of the, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yes. So, Nick, Nick J, I think that's a an, an last initial, uh, from Orlando. That's what we have to say to you. Um, be chill. Uh, take some shit that's not practical. Oh God, there I've gone and I've gone and done it. I've uh, I've sworn. Our mother is listening onto this. Yeah, podcast. no, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, mama. Nick. I yeah, no, I apro- I apologize to Wendy in Alabama. Are uh, you going to go back and uh, and beat that out? No. Sure? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> we, no, we, you know, we try to keep it PG thirteen. Uh, in PG thirteen, you usually can get away with one swear word and still have it be PG thirteen. So when, Titanic- when one sl- slips out, you know, as Titanic showed us, you can also get away with boobies. Wait, Titanic was PG thirteen? Yeah, yeah, totally. I forgot that. Wow, mm. they, and they had boobs in it. I always thought oh, the yeah. MPAA yeah, yeah. dodge was that horrific, deplorable violence was fine as long as no one shows any skin. No, 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 no. definitely Kate Winslet's hoo-hahs are in that movie. Well, I think they got away with it because she's posing for a picture, and we all know that the Statue of David is, like, okay to have an even a G-rated movie, right? So, 
I mean, once once the breasts become art, then they are uh, acceptable. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's the loophole. There's the loophole. <laughs> what, uh, you know, we had this conversation, long conversation about what is art. Uh, and I guess the answer is boobies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> moving right along, we want to acknowledge some of the people who, who wrote in. Uh, Jen De La Vega wrote in from the Tank NYC... Uh, theater. They do really interesting stuff there. There's like a, a summer musical, New York Musical Theater Festival that they do there. Um, the URL is thetanknyc.org and it's right next to a fantastic burger restaurant on uh, I think 43rd. I think it's 43rd and uh, or maybe 45th. Oh God, I forget where it is. Uh, it's, in the, it's in the low 40s and, uh, and 9th Avenue. Uh, called Five Napkin Burger. And right around the corner from Five Napkin Burger is a great uh, window chicken place called Piece of Chicken, uh, right by the uh, Tank Theater. And they do just, they do just fantastic work. So that's uh, the tanknyc.org. Uh, Jim from the land of 10,000 lakes, which I'm told is Minnesota, right? I think so. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't really know anything about Minnesota. Uh, wrote in, had some interesting questions about Doctor Who. We'll get to those another time. Fenzel is actually our resident Doctor Who expert, so we will tackle it when he is with us. And Mr. Linton Davies uh, wrote an email that just pissed me off. Uh-oh. This is what he has to say. Dear Overthinking It, please pimp my web series, Mashed Potatoes, on your podcast... Uh, and or blog. I cannot compensate you for this, but you should anyway. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that Linton Davies at www.lintondavies.com would ask us to pimp his web series for him. What do you think we are, Linton Davies, L-A-N-T-O-N-D-A-V-I-E-S.com? I don't know what your video web series uh, of comedy called Mashed Potatoes is about, but I will not advertise it on the podcast. I just can't believe he had the gumption. The gumption to ask us to mention on the website www.lintondavies.com to pimp his web series. Such gumption. The I, temerity. I see no relation whatsoever toward a, a weekly or tri-weekly series of observations on pop culture communicated over some audio media and our weekly podcast, which is a series of observations carried over audio media about pop culture. I, th- there's just no connection whatsoever, and the idea... That they'd be connect linked somehow, and that that merits a comment. I it, I'm, I'm speechless. Speechless. So that is what we say to you, Linton Davies, and your web series, Mashed Potato, at www.lintondavies.com. Good day, sir. I said, good day. <laughs> Sorry, that's a John Stewart joke, but sometimes you can't. Uh, well, we said we resist. said at the beginning it was my first first commandment is that uh, plagiarism is okay <laughs> <laughs> so when we do it yeah, because yeah. when we do it it's satire. <laughs> I thought that was a Willy Wonka reference. <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gene Wilder, right? Gene Wilder, yeah, yeah Gene yeah. Wilder and Willy Wonka. I said good day, sir. <laughs>
Oh, you know what? You know what the Johnny Depp one is? Uh, is an example of the, the, the backstory, the fallacy of the backstory. Right. Uh, right. 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 Because like it wasn't his father in the Johnny Depp one. His father was a dentist and kept him from having sweets or something like that. That sounds yeah, familiar. So. And that's why. And that's why he became Willy Wonka. Which I don't know about you, but to me that takes something away from Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. who was kind of like in the other one. He was kind of like Dionysus. He was this force of of you know disorder and play. Yeah. No, and absolutely. And having a justification for that uh, makes it no longer a threat to the established order. The best, the best line I heard about this was uh, Anthony Lane in The New Yorker, who said, um, uh, why must Batman begin? What's wrong with Batman is? <laughs> Which I thought put it pretty, pretty succinctly. Well, and yet, it, like, I, I don't mind it with Batman. I feel like... Uh, with Batman, the backstory is sort of always there. Um, in a way, I, I never want to see any Batman other than the origin story. But with Willy Wonka, it really takes something away from it. Yeah, similar to the similar to the Joker, perhaps. Yes, I would never want to see the Joker's origin story. Although, like they, they did a pretty good job of it in the Tim Burton Batman, but yeah. like I prefer it without. Yeah, no, Heath Ledger, it was extremely powerful, and it was actually kind of like taking the piss out of the whole idea of an origin story with with all the, you know, let me tell you how I got these scars. Right, how he lied. He tells multiple versions of it, and it's not yeah. to tell actually tell how he got the scars. It's it's actually, to- it was one of my, my favorite LOL jokers that we had during the LOL joker contest was uh, my scars. Let me lie to you about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a really good one. Uh, and finally, Sean from Philadelphia writes in, uh, rather, you me- hi, Sean, he says, rather, you mentioned the idea of guilty pleasures in relation to the Twilight series. Uh, always hated the notion. They seem to be predicated on some hierarchical notion of pop culture that dictates what is acceptable for you to enjoy and what isn't. While you can certainly discuss art in an objective manner, I would argue that if you truly take pleasure in something, then then that art cannot be irredeemably bad. I, I I'm sorry. This is I'm breaking in and editorializing here. I, I I don't know about that. I think we take pleasure in a lot of things that are irredeemably bad. Uh, Depends I, on your definition of irredeemably bad, but we we should get. Well, there there you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think the point is right. There there are different value systems operating simultaneously. Uh, sorry, back to Sean from Philadelphia. Excuse me, Sean. Uh, resuming, if you strip art to its core, there's no more valid criterion for evaluating its quality than whether or not said art brings you pleasure, regardless of the manner in which it does so. Calling something a guilty pleasure implies that you hold one of two views regarding that art. Either you claim to enjoy it ironically, because to do so otherwise would be beneath you. Uh, yeah, that's probably it, Sean, actually. You, you probably hit the <laughs> nail on the head right there. <laughs> or, or, or that you tru- truly enjoy it despite its obvious flaws. The former viewpoint is intellectually dishonest and reductive. Uh, yeah, but you know, we all got to get by in the world, Sean, come on. The latter is, uh, a perfectly defensible perspective, but could be stated in a way that is both more accurate and less pejorative. I'd be interested in your thoughts on what makes something a guilty pleasure and what, why, and what you might call such works of art instead. No, Sean, I think I'll go ahead and keep calling them guilty pleasures, but I think you raised some excellent, excellent points, which we'll get to in just a second. He has one more bone to pick with us. Uh, he says, as a fourth year medical student, I 
I take exception to Perich's um, aspersions. Asperge. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm reading quickly, and I saw aspirations, and I was like, he's not <laughs> aspirating. Maybe that's a fourth-year medical student thing. He's aspirating things. Uh, that means breathe in, right? Uh, towards those of us in professional school. While I freely admit that I'd rather meet a pool shark than another medical student, see, see, I think you would be surprised, <laughs> as I certainly was, by the diversity of interests among med students. While we are all unquestionably nerds, uh, we are often nerdy about fields other than medicine. Hey, Sean, we are the last guys to take you to task for being nerds. Actually, since since that was directed at me, I, I you know I'd like to to jump in once again. Okay, you know what? You jump in, and then we'll we'll get back to guilty and pleasures, we'll, and then we'll delve, delve back to guilty pleasures because this one we can do quickly. Uh, you know, this is the I think second podcast in a row, or second now three, where someone said, you know, hey, you know, I, I take objection to something Parrish said. So let me <laughs> let me just get in and say, so <laughs> I know it's it's a recurring theme. So let me let me step up and say that I mean, uh, Sean, uh, this this was Sean, right? Sean from Philadelphia. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, sorry, I've I've already forgotten how we do. Uh, let me just step in and say, Sean, you you pretty much agreed with everything I was just saying. Uh, while I would while I would concede that there are a diversity of interests among people in medical school, I would be far more interested to meet a pool shark than any average medical student. Uh, that's pretty much what you say. So I think I don't think we're really in disagreement here. Um, you know, nothing wrong with with med school or med students, but pool sharks are more interesting <laughs> and it's well right like the and the um the i your issue was not your issue was not i i mean sean's def- defense of grad school here seems to be that the people in grad school are are interesting fellows and ladies and and that that is probably true but it was also kind of not your point right right my point my point was if you're it was a somewhat tongue-in-cheek point, but is still, I think, somewhat true regardless that there are there are more interesting paths in life. And if you're looking to go to grad school just for something to do, just for just for a way to, say, wait out the economy for three to four years, then there are better things you can do with your time, such as becoming a pool shark or a professional gambler. Or a grifter. <laughs> or, or a grifter. Yes, <laughs> I've really, I've really wanted to. I've been watching some television that's made me want to learn like spy skills as well as grifting, like the, <laughs> you know, the art. I of wonder the... what what summer series might have gotten you thinking. <laughs> I wish I had more spy skills. <laughs> it was Monk, yeah. right? It was Monk. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was Monk. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was. Um, uh, so you think you can dance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, burn notice, obviously. But also, I've been watching the riches on uh, in reruns uh, or on DVD, or certainly not on BitTorrent, because that would be morally wrong. That's the one where Eddie Izzard is the king of the gypsies, right? Yes, absolutely. No, he's not the king. That's that's the trouble. He's he's just a, a gypsy trying to make his way in the world. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so yes, I being a, being a grifter. Now that said, I'm glad that people go to medical school, right? Like I, I like having doctors. And, you know, I think that actually probably, uh, Parrish's complaint was not directed at anyone who goes to medical school. Cause I don't think that people go to medical school thinking this will be a good way to kill a few years 
you know, and then I'll get some random job. People go to medical school and then become doctors, right? Right, right, right. right. My, I, I've mentioned, I've mentioned this in the past in other fora, and then my caveat has always been: if you're going to, if you're going to postgraduate education for a career that requires some degree of licensing, like law or medicine or something like that, then then you're exempt from my usual down-the-nose criticisms of, of grad school. So I think there's something, the advice was for people just graduating college, and I think there is something to be said for living life a little bit before you go back to whatever, uh, you know, to whatever further education you may wish to pursue. And how can you live life more fully than by hustling pool, right? (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I mean, not to, you know, not to reveal too much, but like before returning to, to grad school, uh, next year, right? Like I've had, I think 20 jobs in the last six years, uh, including church organist and call center manager. And, uh, (laughs) You know, uh, and honestly, like, each of those experiences has definitely taught me something about spying and uh, grifting. <laughs> when, you were, uh, when you were working for a call center, it was one of those, like, telemarketing call centers? No, I wasn't. We weren't telemarketing. We were from a nonprofit, and we were actually, uh, we were giving people money. Yes, that's right. We are giving you money. No, uh, we were having a conference, and we wanted, we had a random sample of the population of New Haven, Connecticut, and we wanted them to attend this particular conference talking about the achievement gap in education and to sort of do this participation kind of participatory democracy thing. And so we were trying to get people uh, who wanted to come to a conference and talk about education and who would be compensated for their time. So it's not like we were doing anything dishonest. It was not, in fact, a grift. And uh, we weren't selling anything, unfortunately. were Were you cold calling them at home? Yes. Now, did you feel guilty about that? Uh... You know, a little bit. Let's, for the sake of argument, let's say yes. Yes, and then a I'll little ask, bit. Did you also take a certain pleasure in it? Because then we can segue. Why, yes, Jordan. It was sort of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that, was, that was forced. I know, but uh... <laughs> no. Someone's got to be. Someone's got to be mind in this store, right? <laughs> yeah. No. So, Sean, like, I think you're right that there is that. The idea of a guilty pleasure is it's, you know, it's sort of the Puritan dodge, right? Like, oh, you know, that bad, you know, that bad sex is bad. So let's talk about sex all the time and how bad it is. You know, that, uh, that it, it is a little, it is a little, it is a little sneaky, but I think the I think the issue is that when we talk about guilty pleasures, is that there are, it's what I said before. There are multiple value systems operating at the same time. Does that make sense? Hmm. I'm not sure if I agree with you because I mean I understand what you mean. Yes, you can have multiple uh, value systems. You can have something that's irredeemably bad in the sense of wicked, right? Like evil, or you can have something that's irredeemably bad in the sense of sort of of shoddy quality, right? Is well, this is how, this is how I feel about about. Twilight, right? Like, I enjoyed reading the four books. I tore through them in an afternoon, right? And it was a very enjoyable afternoon for me. Like, OMG, Edward and Bella, OMG. But, um, like, I can, uh, you know, using my trained literary student of literature hat, I can go into those books and kind of point out the shoddy craftsmanship of the writing and... Uh, and that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other level. But and yet and yet I enjoyed them, you know. 
Yeah. Okay. No, no. Okay. That, that makes sense. So there's, so, I mean, there's a, there's a value system of like, do I enjoy something or not that, you know, maybe value system is the wrong word. They're, they're access, they're non, you know, non-contiguous axes of something being good. So something can be good in the sense of enjoyment, but it also can be good in the sense of, of the quality of the craftsmanship or artistry of the, you know, of the, of the work. Well, if, if something as bad as it is provides you some level of enjoyment, either on, you know, escape or craftsmanship, or whatever, it's not irredeemably bad, then is it? Because I, I, I always take the word irredeemably to mean, you know, not redeemable. <laughs> Why would you do that, John? <laughs> I don't know. I got this English degree and I got to use it sometime. So. That was actually the thing about his comment that I was going to argue with is that, uh, you know, to assume that something can't be bad without being irredeemably bad is to miss out on great vistas of badness. That are there for the taking in pop culture. Great, awesome, awesome, awesome vistas of badness. Like, have you seen Shark in Venice? <laughs> oh, Lord. You know? Der By the way, if you have, if or you have it was and you done. call in, we will play your voice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but you have to refer to it. Hey, Jordan, you should write an opera about uh, of Shark in Venice called Der Heyfish in Venedig. You know? <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? I think there's there's a uh, there's a confusion here between calling something bad in the sense of its craftsmanship uh, or its originality or its artistic integrity or its seriousness of purpose or, you know, what have you, uh, and calling something morally bad, right? So to say that something is bad, to say that the Twilight books are badly written does, is not to say that they're morally bad, and the confusion that you're talking about is inherent in the word guilt, right? Because guilt right. implies a moral judgment. Right. Yeah, I, exactly. I think in the case I will of, say, uh, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I think in the case of guilty pleasures, the, the judgment that you were talking about, uh, the, you know, the guilt arises from the peer group, the social circle. Like, I, I can't, you know, I can't cop to my love of, you know, Jet Li movies or, you know, obscure British, you know, detective series uh, because, you know, those are, those are guilty pleasures. Those are things I, I should... I would feel bad about if the peer group found out that I liked them. Right, absolutely. I write on a website uh, with a group of writers that includes a tenure-track Harvard professor. And uh, if they found out about my love for Twilight, right, I would just be sunk. Right, exactly. I wonder, I mean, this is a subtle uh, nuance, but would it be slightly more accurate to refer to them as shameful pleasures rather than guilty pleasures? Yeah, sure. I, I like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good uh, good comment, yeah. So let me ask this question. So are guilty and shameful pleasures then in, in what we're talking about here, kind of the, you know, the, that feeling brought about by the peer group, is that different than from liking something ironically? I'm saying, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that it is. I think we're talking so. About, we're talking about different phenomena here, right? Yeah. Like, because, it's like a, hipsters, a hipster will, you know, appropriate all these various things and like them ironically, but that's okay with the peer group. So therefore they're not guilty pleasures, obviously, right? right? Yeah, and often somebody will accuse somebody who says, like, oh, you know, I like Twilight ironically. They'll say, no, you don't like it ironically. You actually like it. You're just embarrassed to admit that, right? Like that. So, so clearly they're different things. Well, right. Is that like uh, – you, you know, okay, so, Sean, what, what we have come up with is the uh, – 
is the the term uh, what Belinky I, I think tongue in cheek uh, proposed the term irony as opposed to irony. I mean that that like that it's not something that we've discussed, but like one of the things that he was doing was replacing eye with ear, right? Like so, um, it's a it's a portmanteau word that is a contraction of earnest and ironic. And it's, it's something that you like both in an earnest and in a sort of hipsterish ironic way. Uh, and that he, he was talking about the, you know, sort of love of like cheesy, cheesy speeches to the troops, I guess. Um, right. And it right. can also be applied to the recent uh, Terminator monster ballad thing. Right. <laughs> Right. In other words, like, yes, we acknowledge that, you know, cheesy ballads like I don't want to close my eyes. You know, the song at the end of Armageddon is cheesy and they don't want to say bad, you know, but, you know, you're but certainly going. Not, like, not up we, to we, the we, not up to the level of the high points of the Aerosmith catalog. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but we still get a lot of enjoyment out of them. And, you know, we, you know. Um, in some earnest level are doing a tribute to that, but also acknowledge how over the top and cheesy they are. Hence the irony. Yeah. I mean, I'd go, I'd go to some real monster ballads, like, like every rose has its thorn to find the, the musical ancestors of the, uh, of the Terminator monster ballad. That bed of roses really was actually the real, uh, Oh, there you go. You both right connection. Yeah. And that's like, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's not, that's a that's a good rock and roll ballad. That, that song was the child of of many fathers. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> At least one of them robotic. <laughs> or one of them so in the future. But we we're, kind of, we're we're not all on board with this ironic term, you know. But. Uh, but I think the point, I mean, I think Matt, uh, you know, was, I think he was trying to make a point about something, which is, uh, which is lost on me because I'm not that smart, but you know, other, and, other people can, can do what they will with it. We should also point out that Fenzel has on many occasions, you know, um, expressed his displeasure at the term of irony. Um, but to be honest, I can't quite fully encapsulate or comprehend, you know, what his issues are. With it, so I don't know if any other writers can kind of step in on his behalf. He's kind of attacked it from a few different angles, actually. I think one thing he was saying is that, um, oh, he he's one of these people who says that uh, that no one ever actually enjoys anything ironically. That if you claim to enjoy something ironically, you actually just enjoy it um, uh, and are you know enacting the role that your peer group forces you to enact when talking about this thing that you enjoy. Well, and I'm not quite so sure I agree with that because I think you can enjoy, well, I think you can enjoy a feeling of superiority to something, right? <laughs> oh, can you? <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> like, haven't you I ever been to you a... can, you freaking peon, but I know you can. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't strike me as feasible. Sorry, rather. You're going to have to back that up. <laughs> uh, right. And I think that that's what, like, by, by enjoying ironically, I, I, I think very often you're, like, kind of displaying your superiority uh, or, you know, you're kind of peacocking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I'm not one of those, um, you know, slack-jawed rednecks wearing um, 
you know, a Bon Jovi t-shirt with a mullet in the parking lot who enjoys Bed of Roses completely earnestly, right? I have at least some ironic enjoyment of that. Yeah, yeah or like what was the, hey, what was the favored t-shirt of all the stoners you knew in high school? Uh, 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 a fish shirt? No. Oh, well, at least in my high school, it was Dare. Dare. Ah. Uh, oh, I see. Uh, the, you know. the, the anti-drug education program. Yeah, no, I don't know if they're enjoying that ironically, or maybe they're enjoying the irony of it, or maybe they're just being dicks because they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, who you feel superior to, right? <laughs> I feel pity, really. Yeah, or, you know, those those hipster t-shirts with, you know, Mr. Bubbles on them. Nobody wears them because they actually like the Mr. Bubbles advertising franchise, like the mascot designed in a lab by marketers to sell to sell bubble product nobody nobody who wears a mr bubble t-shirt today likes mr bubbles right now when Belinky uh walks around wearing his country bear jamboree t-shirt there's nothing (laughs) ironic about that that like that man is totally serious about the country bears and about their jamboree uh, Which, by the way, if you if you notice somebody on the streets of New York City wearing a Country Bears Jamboree T-shirt, you've probably spotted an internet celebrity, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, say- kind of the guy. <laughs> Belinky was, was so mad at me when I posted that that Schwarzenegger continuity article because he apparently had one in mind for the Country Bears that that <laughs> totally linked all their their many years of history into one grand narrative, and I just I just pulled the rug out from under him. He, he was so furious at me because of his love of the country bears. <laughs> well, that's something. I, I mean, you're joking, but that is something. The one master narrative is something that Matt has done before, I think, to great effect, as you did to great effect with Arnold Schwarzenegger. His have been like putting every, uh, every summer movie into a single story. Right, right, right. You which, know. We'll which, which have been very good. Yeah, I hope that, that – yeah, those have been good. I, I, I hope he'll do another one. Uh, Hey, Matt, someone called you awesome. Uh, listener voicemail called you awesome. You know, you, you got to do another article. Awesome thing. Yeah, awesome thing. Do another awesome thing. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Speaking of summer movies, this is uh, no, another aside. Um, look at me, me being the, the, the original hater of the asides and, uh, and, and, and side topics, but I'm, I'm doing all over here. I'm all on it now. Um, I'm all up in that piece. Um, don't forget, guys, that we need to do our part two of the summer movie preview, which we did for May and June. And July is fast approaching, and people out there need to know what's out there. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that next week. Yeah, because there's a G.I. Joe movie coming out that we've really got to like, preemptively uh, crap all over, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> is it going to be... Um... Uh, I don't know. Is it going to be worse than Terminator? Well, I mean, expectations for for GI Joe are incredibly low. Yeah, but isn't that doesn't that work in its favor? Because it can't, it cannot but meet and even exceed expectations. Yeah, but it's going to be the the, the sense people I'm getting is it's going to be bad in a very different way than Terminator. You know, Terminator failed (laughs) a lot of you know because of its ambition and you know collapsing under the weight of a lot of different things. But uh, GI Joe seems to be kind of like you know this apocalyptic mess of popcorn. Uh, popcorn movie excess and you know marketing uh, hoo ha and also just kind of the, the the crass commercialization of any possible eighties franchise toys things that you can imagine. So 
I gotta the, say that I actually have some fond memories of movies with G.I. Joe uh, from my childhood. For instance, uh, someone on YouTube has put together a music video to Busta Rhymes' Wuha Got You All in Check, where it looks like Serpentor is doing the rapping. And like, <laughs> I'd hate to see that sold out and commercialized and made awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hold on. Hold, hold on. I, the, maybe maybe I should save this. But the the origin of GI Joe was it was a toy that they made the uh, the TV series around, right? Like they made the TV series around the dolls. It wasn't like it wasn't like first there was great purity in children's television land where a TV show was made to to delight and inspire. Uh, young men and women, and then the toys came later, poisoning the, uh, you know, poisoning the water. It it was all you know a media synergy thing, kind of like Gem in the Hologram. When I was re- researching Gem in the Holograms for the other day's think tank, I uh, I found out that Gem in the Holograms was kind of the female GI Joe in that it was done by the same uh, team, really, and the same manufacturing and uh, toy marketing and retail partners as well. As was the case with just about every 80s cartoon series, which people of our generation remember. Also Fox. Transformers, yeah. Man, Transformers, uh, Mask, you guys remember? You guys remember Sky Commanders? Uh, Centurions. No. We, we, we could go on. We could go <laughs> I, on. Loved, I loved Sky Commanders. I had the little toys. Oh, it was great. Are we going to do, uh, before we wrap up, are we going to do our pop culture picks of the week and so on? You know, we haven't done that. We haven't done that in a while, but maybe in honor of the 50th, we can, uh, we can go back to it real, real quick. I, t- I take it you have one. I do, actually. It just sort of uh, came to me um, while you were talking about Gem and the Holograms. Um, it's interesting when I was, you know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to watch Jim and the Holograms, but I couldn't wrap my mind around doing it because I was a girl show. You know, I was a, I was a regressive little troglodyte at the time. I had no (laughs) such compunction. (laughs) Anyway, um, I was, uh, I was sort of looking around trying to figure out, uh, who had written the songs because I had, I had sort of watched enough of it while pretending to channel surf to realize that there were music videos uh, in the world of the show in every episode. And you can go listen to all of these things on YouTube. And there are some really kind of amazing songs uh, for, for Gem and the Holograms and for their sort of the evil band, the Misfits. Um, and they're all written by the same people, uh, which is kind of funny because apparently critical response was that the Misfit songs are actually a lot better than the Hologram song, <laughs> but it's the same songwriting team. So uh, there, there's a lot to, to dig into that about. Um, and because they're all on YouTube, you can just go, you don't have to spend any money, kill about an hour listening to all of these like one and a half minute pop songs. That's what I got. Yeah. No, that's cool. a, That's definitely a good one. And to that, I can only say... Sorry, I you know I can play sound through. <laughs> I can play sound into the call, so I'm going to at every at every opportunity. Uh, so uh, Jordan, Gem the holograms on YouTube. Uh, Mark or John? Uh, I mean, we t- we twittered this earlier, but it's worth mentioning it again. Or someone did. I'm not sure who on the over tweeting it. 
uh, Twitter account that uh, at least for now, I don't know for how long, uh, the Shaft uh, MP3 album is available on Amazon for the low, low price of one ninety nine, which is a steal. Oh, wow. Shut yeah. your mouth. I'm talking about Shaft. Uh, then we can dig it. <laughs> <laughs> So even if it's not um, available for $1.99 by the time this podcast goes up, um, you should do yourself a favor and get some more Shaft into your life. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, mine is the, the Alan Ball television series True Blood, based on the Sookie Stackhouse uh, albums. Um the albums, Suki Stackhouse novels, uh, and I, you know, I, I watched it on DVR at the end of last summer, and I absolutely loved it. Or actually, I didn't even watch it at the end of summer. It took me until like December, January to watch it, and I think it's fan freaking tastic. It is so trashy uh, that it it really transcends trashiness and becomes a kind of sublimity. Uh, in the uh, in the trashiness. Um, so and oh, and it's premiering tonight. As a, we record on Sunday, we publish on Monday, but we record uh, on Sunday, and it's premiering actually as we record. So uh, run, don't walk to HBO or to your you know nearest BitTorrent outlet to uh, to find it. And finally, John. Yes, uh, I am going to exert a, a rare moment of microphone privilege and, and try and call upon overthinking its many listeners to help save a show. Uh, that show is Kings on NBC, which uh, is just coming back from an unplanned uh, hiatus and is now, is now showing new episodes again. It's NBC's bizarre little drama that updates the David and Goliath story to 21st century times uh instead of being set in you know ancient ancient hebrew kingdoms it's set in a modern day empire called gilboa which is meant to be a clear stand-in for the united states uh it, it pretty much looks like the u.s if it had undergone a recent war with a geographical neighbor and had a king instead of a president uh, but what so you know hearing this concept for the first time i was i was my first reaction was what like how how did anyone greenlight this, and where the hell did this come from, and how are they possibly going to make this work? But it has uh, uh, Ian McShane from uh, from Deadwood as the as the king uh, as as the King Saul role, uh, and it has this this young actor guy who I'd never heard of before uh, playing playing David, who is a uh, who is a war hero who comes to some popularity and is starting to sort of jostle uh, Saul for, for control of the, of the crown. And it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's well done. It's gorgeous, visually speaking. It's, it's got a lot of tension and courtly drama. And it, it just has struggled to find an audience. So you can watch it on Hulu or you can watch it, I believe it's on Sundays now, on NBC. So uh, please watch it. Please save it because it's really it's really interesting. It's really kind of daring for mainstream television. It's not the sort of thing you see a lot of, and I think that needs to be rewarded. That is all. Awesome. Hail, 
Hail to the king, baby. And I think that we need to be rewarded also. So if you have anything you want to say to us, again, it's 20 eat log zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one, or podcast at overthinkingit.com or the contact form on the site or leave a comment on the show notes on the site. What site is that, you ask? Why? It's www.overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. I'm 50. Do you guys really not get that? Like, that no. was an SNL sketch. I'm 50. It was a 50-year-old woman who did all kinds of things and kept reminding people that she was 50. I'm 50. That's uh, bad. They uh, vaguely recall that now, yes. I realize I am the one guy who still watches Saturday Night Live. Matt, I must say, you watch an exceptional amount of television. 